Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. I'm extremely proud of what we've accomplished, but not in any way satisfied or going to get complacent with where we're at. Build this roster with as many good players as we can. That's my number one job. Obviously, I'm going to have to be creative with the cap. Mike Danger. But I don't expect things to be that drastically different in 2024 for this team. I think it's going to be more of the same. Gene Bataglia. Listen, we are built here for the long term. We don't need anything. We just need a tweak here or there and everything is going to be just just fine. We we are going to get this done. Okay. Doc Rivers is the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks and my heart breaks for Wisconsin fans everywhere. You know, hopefully we can win a championship. The Doc clock is definitely going to go in full effect. You're showing that you're now the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. Doc doesn't even make it to the All-Star break as a TV analyst. Oh, who cares? Baseball Hall of Fame voting was announced. Three players set to be enshrined this year. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helen all get the call. 4-2. Ducks win it. Buffalo right back at it tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Kings. 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester. His teams have lost nine straight games with a chance to reach the conference final. Nine times. That's Doc Rivers. New head coach <laughs> of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, welcome back into the Sports Bar. It's Danger and Bataglia. Really glad you're with us this afternoon. Appreciate you listening locally at 95.7 FM, AM 950. Maybe you're streaming uh, in the free-to-download Odyssey app. Uh, you know that Bluetooth connect in your car. You can kind of take us with you everywhere you go on your smart device when you ask it to play 95.7 The Fan. And our stream, our YouTube channel, at The Fan Rochester, streaming at The Fan Rochester on Twitch as well. And you can always engage with us on Elon's Twitter. That's X at the fan Rochester. So we mentioned the update and before we went to break Vic Fangio out in Miami, mutual parting away. Uh, all indications are he is headed to Philadelphia. That will ha- you know help the Eagles. What's next in Miami? Well, Armando Salguero and Adam Schefter and others saying the top candidate is former Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. Because <laughs> The Charger defense was superb. With, <laughs> you had a Bosa, you had Mac, you had Derwin Jade. Like, what, what do they do? Yeah. Like, absolutely, break them down there. You yeah, know what, man. I kind of like. I kind of like. I think if you were to ask me, like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a coach like a, a Vic Fangio or a coach like a, a Brandon Staley? I'm always going to default to the gritty rough around the edges, old school guy over the GQ cover model. 
defensive coordinators, kind of what they call the Peter principle, yeah. like maybe not as a head coach, like Vic Fangio as a head coach, but as a defensive coordinator, yeah. I'm thinking of another guy too. We used to we used to coach in Buffalo and used to be really kind of, you know, oh, Wade. Wade, yeah, yeah. Wade. Wade, Wade. I would take Wade in a second as a DC. Wing Martindale. Yeah. Like, that guy's fiery. You know that guy doesn't F around. So why wouldn't Miami talk to Wink Martindale? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I don't look enough into the way their defense is set up and the personnel they have to know, like, is is that guy a better fit? Is his scheme a better fit for the personnel that they have? I, I'm not sure about any of that. I just know that Brandon Staley, um, good luck. Good luck with that, Miami. I, I think Vic Fangio, superior defensive coordinator. It sounds as if Fangio maybe, you know, said, hey, I've got this opportunity. And if all things are equal, I'd like to go back to where I was before I came here. I was the consultant for them as they made their run to the Super Bowl. He's familiar enough. And, and that's also, I think, the, the power and persuasion of the best GM in the NFL, Howie Roseman. You were part of it last year. Got a little taste. Fell just short. Come on back home now. You know, I guess it's kind of ironic because how would Vic Fangio have that kind of lined up? Would that not be tampering? Oh, that's right. Miami is the team that got popped on tampering, mm-hmm. you know, and so is Philadelphia in the past, too. So uh, actually it was the other way around Arizona, but I digress. Sal Mayorana, the DNC, is going to join us here in about 20 minutes. And if you know anything about Sal... You know he's got thoughts on the Buffalo Bills. How that season ended, and I think we all want to know where the heck do they go from here. And I think all options are on the table. I don't want to put words in Sal mouth. We'll kind of figure out, all right, like what what is next for this Bills team? I have some takes here, Danger. Let's get into some some takes on tap with Aldrin today. And again, this is a story out of the NHL. That I think, oh gosh, now that we have some names here. So this, we've heard about this. We didn't talk about this at all because it's very unsavory. But uh, five players from Canada's 2018 World Junior Team uh, accused of something terrible, uh, sexual assault charges. Well, the investigation is wrapping up. And five players in the NHL today have been asked to surrender to police in London, Ontario. Two players from the Devils, Michael McLeod, Cal Foote, Carter Hart of Philadelphia, maybe the biggest name, the goaltender, Dylan Dubay, also a good player out of uh, Calgary, and another former NHL player named Alex Formenton. Um, yeah, very bad. And uh, the news here that's come over in the last uh, half hour, the London police are going to hold a press conference to discuss this on February 5th. So they've said, hey, everybody back off. Now, I'm bringing this up because it is newsworthy. I think it's also so transparent what the NHL did today because all of the sudden, within a half hour after this terrible story where four of your players are being asked to surrender to police in a sport that is just riddled with just bad behavior, and this is a culture problem in hockey. But you know what? We're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about expansion. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like the NHL today responding to some report in Salt Lake City that, hey, we're ready in Salt Lake City. It's almost like the people in Salt Lake City were prompted, hey, do us a a favor. Just kind of like, so literally the NHL putting this out here today, don't talk about that. Talk about NHL expansion. Uh, Yeah, just absolutely 100% 
purely NHL. I mean, like it's so on brand. The the NHL, my opinion, the NHL will continue to have, and hockey in general, but pro hockey will continue to have these unsavory type stories emerge from time to time until until there's a concrete drug policy collectively bargained into their CBA. I, I think that their drug policy is, there isn't a drug policy. It's a sham. And I am of the belief sometimes when I'm watching the NHL, I know this sounds old manish, like Mr. Hand in, in Fast Times, Rich, but what are you on, dope? Like, I feel like a lot of times I watch these guys, I'm like, they're on drugs. These guys can't be sober right now. They've got to be high as a kite. I don't know what, I mean, look, what they do is remarkable. How they do it, I can't even imagine. Night in, night out, the the, the endless hours on the rink, around it, whatever they have to do to cope, they do to cope. But for whatever reason, there isn't a drug policy a stringent drug policy, the way there is in baseball, the way there is in football. And I worry that a lot of these decisions, these poor decisions that you hear about that emerge, start with the first bad decision, which is to alter yourself in some way, knowing there's no way you're going to get tracked for it. I think that's part of the problem. And when we talk about hockey culture and everything, hockey's for everyone. Okay, no, it's not. And if you're really, really good, what happens at a very, very young age? You leave home. You leave home before you're mature to handle any of these problems. Like, what other sport does this? Yes, I understand AAU, you're moving around, but I'm talking about junior hockey where you leave home at 16 or 17. You're not finishing out in high school. And when you, you when you just have adults that only care about what's going on in the ice— Opens the door for predators. So this is a different story in 2018, but we have other stories in the past that have terrible results uh, about abuse and nobody seems to care. Well, it's because you love your junior hockey and you know what? They're all kids and they can't handle it. I'm not defending it. It's terrible behavior. But what what do you expect when you're not you're, you're sending your kids away from home like this? Yeah, Um I feel like so many problems in our world will be solved with more of an emphasis on family and education. That's just me. But you're right. Th- that the idea, and hell, even the kids that don't leave. I mean, I remember, and this was a long time ago. I mean, you're talking about me being in high school, but all the kids I played hockey with growing up, the best ones, the guys that, that played throughout high school, they were all on drugs by the time they were in high school. I mean, I kind of backed away from playing hockey in high school. Because I just didn't like where it was at. I also found radio while I was in high school. So I kind of backed away from the hockey scene in my local high school because I saw what it was doing to the kids that I grew up with, the kids that I played hockey with throughout youth. And it was ugly. It was just a bad scene. And I imagine that that's, that's not a rare occurrence still today. I, I imagine that that's still how it is today around the culture of hockey. Yeah, I Look, I was going to talk about Salt Lake City or Atlanta. I, I just, yeah, after that, I just, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know if this is the appropriate time oh, to talk you, about Oh, but you actually have an idea for the NHL that I think is, I, I would love to explore this idea. Because I think if there's a, if there's a sports, a North American Major League Sports League that could pull this off, I kind of think it's the NHL. Well, it's, they're talking about expansion. Are you kidding me? 
When Buffalo reaches 5,000 days with since their last playoff game, we should, like, you know, have some sort of sick, sadistic party, right? Mm. Um, like, okay, you can't even make the playoffs. I can't even dream of a Stanley Cup. Yeah, you're going to invite two more teams in? Like, Vegas won a cup. Seattle's further ahead. Okay, we're going to talk about Salt Lake City and Atlanta and Kansas City, Quebec, Houston. There's a lot of markets that want hockey. Why wouldn't they? And no, I would say my, my initial reaction is stop. What are we doing? Unless, unless y- you you go over to the overseas model and you talk about relegation. Yep. And this is how I would have it work, Danger. Two tiers, top tier, 24 teams get to compete for the cup. 24. So right now, 32 teams compete for the cup. 24, <laughs> right? 12 in each conference during the regular season. The top eight make the postseason as always. But... For the team that is sitting in the bottom tier in 12th place in their conference, they get relegated, send down, no more tanking, no more tanking. And for the 10 teams that are in the second tier, it sucks to be you, unless, well, they're going to hold their own playoff. And step number one, winner gets to bump up. Now, that would be exciting. And for those teams at the bottom end there, just getting out of that, uh, that would offer some good hockey. Uh, but for you to allow more teams into this league without this, what are we doing? Like 40 teams all competing? Yeah, for, it's, no, it's stop. too much. It's too much. There's already too much. I love the idea of relegation, though. I don't know who's going to do it other than the Premier League. I mean, like that, that feels like that could work with the NHL, especially if they continue to, to go down this path of expansion. Now, I'm not saying that that would be a fortunate set of circumstances for the Sabres because undoubtedly they would probably end up in that second tier of teams that we're discussing. But you can ease that pain for Mr. Pagula or whoever because you get one big, fat, in fact, two big fat checks. Like so, so many people. But you want- wouldn't be the NHL anymore. The NHL would be that top tier. Yeah. You know, the NHL. So. It, th- that's why I think it'll never happen, right? Because the NHL brand would take a hit. You're basically shelving a, a what a handful of your ten, te- ten of your teams. Some of them might be legacy organizations. Well, a lot, most of them will be legacy organizations. Yeah, They've been around a long time. Yeah, I guess maybe the regular season. Like, okay, yeah, we're not competing for anything just to get out of this mess. So that would be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, would this ever happen? Probably not. Right. But it's the only sport that would make sense. You can't really do this in the NFL because how many stadiums and in the same thing with baseball, maybe the NBA at some point. But man, we are in peak offseason form here. Two days into the offseason. We're already talking about relegation. I am blaming the NHL for this. The NHL, like putting out their Salt Lake City. I'm like, I don't want Salt Lake City. I love having the relegation, the annual relegation conversation. Which league can do relegation in in North American sports? I feel like it's a it's one of those evergreen topics. Jordan versus LeBron. Relegation in sports. Does Pete Rose belong in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Coming up next, baseball writer to share his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, championship Sunday menu has been decided. We're all over at my brother-in-law's house. All national fast food chain items, and I kind of love this play. Highlights from each menu. The best. McDonald's fries, Whoppers from BK, Wendy's Frosties, Taco Bell tacos. You get the idea. Now, since the decision has already been made, Gino, to destroy my digestive tract, I'm going to try something new and report back the findings. I want to get a verdict on this from you. Is mixing foods with condiments from other chains acceptable? 
Anyone try McDonald's fries with Taco Bell fire sauce or maybe throw some barbecue sauce on the Whopper or Chick-fil-A sauce on a slice of hot and ready? And by the way, if I have a stroke Sunday night while I'm sleeping, you'll know why. I'm going to mix up some condiments with other fast food items. You're, you're playing with fire there, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think. Uh, and you get to a certain age where you really have to kind of pick your spots. Here. We're going to man up. <laughs> We're going to man up. Bucket of KFC. We'll get a, a little Caesars hot and ready. Throw that uh, I, on the table. I'm going to be at uh, the Bill Gray's in Chai Lai with Duffy on Sunday. Oh, for the great. Well, I'm just going to be like, ah, oh, cheeseburger. Uh, you know, yes. So I'm just going to like, yeah, this is it. Why wait till the Super Bowl? You have only two days to enjoy football and food. So mm-hmm. come up with something creative. I'm going to eat my feelings and I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to mix up the condiments with the other fast food items. I'll let you know how it goes if I make it. By the way, I, I, I talked about this last year, but then I got sidetracked for various reasons. Um, the green light is once again the green light for the green egg. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm going to finally pull the trigger. Pulling the trigger. Okay. All right. I have this a is an investment. It's an investment. It's an investment, but it's an investment in the family. That's how I sold Attaboy. it. Everybody, you know, this is, and you use it on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And what you told me is like, you're not do using this on a Wednesday night for just regular old burgers. It's, you know, you're making sure with, you know, your pork or whatever it yeah. is you're going to. There are things that you could do that you start in the morning, let it roll through the course of the day, come home, and it'd be ready. I did a pot of chili. I smoked a pot of chili a couple of weeks ago for, what was it, week 18? For week 18, mm-hmm. I smoked a pot of chili. I woke up in, on Sunday morning, put it on, let it roll all day. Man, by the time kickoff between the Bears and the Packers was there, it was, it was exquisite. I did nothing. I just left it there mm-hmm. and just let it roll. And if you could do that with with a, a pulled a pork shoulder or a brisket or something like that, yeah, you yeah. can you can do it during the week. But man, if you've got a weekend with some extra time and you like cooking and you like if you love food like I do, like no, I think every man should learn how to grill better this year, and that's going to be my goal. And Sunday's danger that's going to fill the football void. Okay, so that's going to be my thing. I like that. I like that. I'm here for the tips. I'm here to share recipes. That's that's what we're going to do. We're going to share. We're going to share recipes in the sports bar. <laughs> Welcome to the Te- offseason. Tips, technique. We're going to tips and tricks. Yeah, we're going to just be smoking all the meats all season long. Danger, I want your take on this. Anybody else that wants to weigh in, uh, you can reach us on X at the Fan Rochester or on the phone, 8664-FAN. Armando Salguero, we've had on the show a bunch of times, uh, brings up this point. There's a coach out there that has won a national championship at both levels in college football and a Super Bowl, okay? And also, there's another coach available. I don't know if you knew this. He has six rings. Why, why is there so little interest? Pete Carroll can't get an interview. Bill Belichick... Only the interview with the Falcons so far. Now, maybe that's by Belichick's design. Carroll certainly wants a job. So what gives here? And this is the question. Is it ageism? Coaches in their 70s can't get an interview. And This is tricky danger because, yes, the age is a factor. And if you want to hire somebody long term, and I think the marketing department gets involved and what owners can kind of identify with it. um, If it's a team that needs a quick fix, Belichick in Atlanta makes sense. Pete Carroll would make sense for teams. But most teams 
want to hire the man that gives them a five-year plan if they're in this position right now, like Pete Carroll. I don't know if he makes sense in, in Carolina. So I'm going to ask you the question, Danger. Is this ageism? If so, where's yep, the line? It is. That's end, end of discussion. It is. Yeah, I think it is because you have your head coach. You're the CEO of the organization. You're not officially the CEO, but you're the face. You're the voice. You're everything about what you put out there is, is a reflection of, of the organization that you're running. And Bill Belichick is crotchety and old and he wins. And Pete Carroll is a little bit of a shyster and you could question some of his tactics and methods through the course of his coaching tenure, but he wins. And because they've been doing it for as long as they've been doing it, it's a hard thing to shed. Um, the idea of Bill Belichick being something other than what he was with New England or, I mean, Pete Carroll was able to shed USC pretty quickly by winning in Seattle, but now like I don't see, I, I won't, I'll have a real, real hard time. I'll struggle with either of these guys on an opposing sideline. I know eventually we get used to it, but even the thought of Belichick and Atlanta, man, it just doesn't make sense to me. If, except for the fact that Arthur Blank is probably meddlesome and, you know, needs a shiny new toy and something that might get the fan. What's the only thing that will get the fan base excited? Well, here's something. Yeah, maybe it's well, I'm wondering, like, why are they dragging their feet here? Like, if you want Belichick, hire him. They, today they brought in Vrabel, and Vrabel's going to go talk to Carolina. So yeah, Vrabel I, is making the... I think it's also very complicated, because the older these guys get, the longer their list of demands. I think, too, if I'm drawing an analogy to Hollywood, you hear about actors, actresses getting typecast. Like you brought up, okay, like, is our fan base going to be excited about bringing in this guy that was with the Seahawks who we didn't yeah. like, uh, you, you like, bring in uh, the guy from uh, Tampa Canales. You bring in that guy who looks like he just stepped off of a runway on the lawn. Yeah. Your fan base can get behind that guy. Oh, uh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, you know, like th- those kind of guys, Cliff Kingsbury. Who, yeah, by so the way, there, is interviewing there, there is a sales element. Absolutely. To this. There is an image to it. There is absolutely an image to it. We would be a lot harsher on Sean McDermott. If he looked like Andy Reed, <laughs> uh, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> so that exists. Yeah. I, right or wrong. That exists. And ageism in the NFL, right or wrong. Of course it exists. That's probably all it is. This guy's 70 years old. He's been doing it forever. Yeah, I get he wants to get the record, but I'm not interested. No, we, we we want somebody young. We want somebody that's new, that's on the up, that looks the part. Well, wouldn't it say something, though? Like, if Bill Belichick is available, and then all of a sudden he he's, he's not going anywhere, like he's going to be on Nantucket all summer? I mean, again... What what are what are you the franchise owner the the billionaire owner willing to give up to get a Belichick or a Pete Carroll because the list of demands is probably lengthy. Meanwhile, you could get similar, potentially better results with a first time head coach who will just be a lapdog and say yes to everything well, you throw his way. I, I think, okay, so like it's an ownership decision, but certainly the GM has some say. The GM doesn't want to give up any power in any situation. And Atlanta has a GM, and they have a CEO 
who's the right hand of the owner, who also has a football background, the McKay. And and I so I think that that that's, might be a part of it. Apparently, that's the reason. Like, you've heard these murmurings that it's, it's a clash between the owner and the management. Right? Yeah. Uh, and if you're Bill Belichick, this is the way I do it. If you don't like it, I'll be fine. He doesn't need to work. I mean, he wants the record, sure, but he doesn't need the work. Pete Carroll doesn't need the work. They're 70, man. They can enjoy their life. They can step outside tomorrow and be like, I'm good. They Younger could, guys, hungry, yeah. hungry guys come in for less money, you know, and, and do it the way you want it done. That's the way of the world, really. And so does ageism exist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure that there are older candidates when the Buffalo Bills, but then Sean McDermott, yes, yes, whatever it yeah, takes. Yeah, older, more experienced, and Sean McDermott is going to say yes to whatever Terry Pagula says, and therefore they they support each other and they believe in each other and there's not any friction and there's no rocking of the boat, even if the decisions are ridiculous. No, the Pagulas aren't that meddlesome from what we can tell. Maybe they are a little that we don't know about, but certainly not as bad as what you have in Atlanta, Miami, a handful of other Owners that are certainly Carolina. Uh, we got to take a break. Sal Mayor Arana is joining us next in the sports bar. You read Sal's work at the DNC, of course. Legendary Sal Mayor Arana with his thoughts on the Bills' end of season. We'll get into that and look ahead to the offseason as well. You can join us at 866-4FAN. 866-4326. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. <laughs> On 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Fan Rochester Sports Update. Things quiet today. One Bills drive around the NFL. Breaking news in Miami where defensive coordinator Vic Fangio and the Dolphins agreeing to mutually part ways. Speculation is that Fangio is headed to Philadelphia. The Green Bay Packers today letting go of their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. Sabres hockey tonight. Another late one in Los Angeles against the Kings. Coverage begins at 10.30 here on the Fan Rochester. If you missed it from last night, Sabres falling in Anaheim 4-2. Amherst are home Friday against Utica. RIT hockey home Friday as well. They take on Bentley. The Milwaukee Bucks hiring Doc Rivers to be their new head coach. This after the surprise firing of Adrian Griffin. The Bucks tonight hosting Cleveland. That's one of eight games in the NBA. Syracuse basketball losing for the first time on their home floor. The Orange take on NC State on Saturday. Gene Battaglia and the sports leader, the fan, Rochester. Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the sports leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950, the fan, Rochester. Yeah, just because you brought it up in your sports update, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. I want to talk about it. The Sabres are a friggin' embarrassment, man. An absolute <laughs> embarrassment. Just an absolute friggin' embarrassment. And we're bringing Sal Mayer on of the Democrat and Chronicle. Sal, I, you know what? We're not going to bring you on to talk about the Sabres, uh, but there is, there it, it does feel like there's a little bit of an apathy around the Bills in this loss from from Bills fans. I don't know if you're feeling it or seeing the same thing. We're used to outrage, and maybe it's just a different way of them losing the way they did on Sunday. Um, so many ways to, to divide up the, the blame assessment pie. But are you sensing that that the fan base now with the, the Buffalo Bills just kind of shrugging their shoulders like, nope, yep, which is not going to be good enough to beat Kansas City moving forward? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess maybe a little bit of that. I, I wouldn't call it apathy. I think there's a lot of frustration. Um, you know, this was supposed to be the day that they were going to beat the, you know, beat the Chiefs in their building. And, you know, I, I spent the week kind of downplaying that, saying, you know, I, I didn't really believe in that at all. I picked the Chiefs to win the game. Um, you know, I think Bills fans were putting too much stock into playing a home game uh, against the Chiefs in the playoffs. They're still the Chiefs. They're still the defending Super Bowl champ. It's still Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey. So it did not surprise me at all, but I just sensed that Bills fans were surprised that it happened, and they really shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's Sal, as soon as uh, people are blaming Bass, but honestly, as soon as he went out there, I'm like, well, they lost the game here, whether he makes it or not. You're leaving that much time up from a home zone, know how to work the clock, kick a field goal, and get out of here. Um, my question, though, is about, because in that sequence at the end, Diggs is wide open, and it leads to a bigger conversation here. What what happened between Diggs and the team and, and the production? Where where do we go from here? Because everybody kind of speculated, was there an injury that wasn't talked about? But then you see him open. You see him kind of making a, you know, a play that doesn't make the play that normally he would on that bomb. So where do we go here with Stephon Diggs? And do we even have the conversation that maybe the Bills should kind of explore moving on here? Yeah, to your first point, Gene, I felt the same way you did. As soon as they didn't make the third down and they were going to kick the field goal, it was over. I was sitting next to, you know, I sit next to Jay Skursky. I looked over at him and I said, game over. Even if he made it, the, the Bills were not stopping Mahomes on that next drive. They, it wasn't going to happen. So the two plays that they failed, Allen made, you know, the one decision to throw the ball in the end zone to Shakir and he got hit just as he threw. 
that was no good. And then on a, you know, he totally missed on both plays underneath routes that would have maybe gotten the first down. It was just a bad series of plays. And anyway, so that was your first point. But on the point of Diggs, look, I, I think it's pretty simple to say that he's 30 years old now. He's not quite the same player that he was. Still a very good player for sure. But I think we saw this year that opposing defensive coordinators had a pretty good feel for how to take digs out of their offense. They did a great job uh, defending him. He sees doubles all the time, but I think the combination of playing better players, there were some guys that he went up against this year, Smead twice, in fact, for the Chiefs, who really were good defensive backs, and he struggled. He's not the same guy. He wasn't getting the same separation. And, you know, on the touch on the bomb, there was no excuse. He did get separation there and should have caught it, but he's in decline. And, you know, it's tough to say, and it's tough to think if you're a Bills fan that, you know, you've still got him under contract for a pretty hefty number, um, but it's kind of tough to get rid of him, too. I mean, if they cut him or, you know, or whatever, the the, the captain is just too prohibitive. So he's going to have to come back here and play better next year, and I think after next year they can get out of the contract a little less, a little more palatable. Sal, uh, we spent some time earlier this afternoon talking about uh, Josh Allen. And a lot of people argue that that quarterback uh, wins aren't a quarterback stat. I'll listen to that. But winning is everything if you're the quarterback. And Josh Allen has had plenty of opportunities to elevate and to to win that big moment. Um, I'm not saying that he's the reason why they lost that game on Sunday. But you mentioned it down the stretch there. Josh Allen's getting a little bit of a pass, in my opinion. Um. I thought he played really well, Mike. I I thought he played an excellent game until those last couple plays. I mean, it was unfortunate the way, you know, if Deion Dawkins didn't get blown up on the second down play, he probably throws a touchdown pass there because Shakir was open. He was coming across the middle, and Allen got hit. Um, Jones pushed Dawkins into Allen just as he threw it, and it, and it threw the ball offline, or else we're talking about, you know, you're leading by four with two minutes to go. The third down play was a fail, but I thought the rest of the game, he was pretty good. I thought he was really good the week before in the wild card game. He had 51 touchdowns this year. I mean, I, I to me, he was the league MVP. And you, you guys know me well enough to know I'm no homer. Yeah. You know, no one's ever going to accuse me of being a homer. He was the most valuable player in the NFL when you look at what he meant to his particular team. There's no doubt about it. Lamar Jackson is going to win that award, and he has, I think, more than 20 fewer touchdowns than Josh Allen this year. So I think Allen played great. They needed to be better around him, and they just weren't. So to just isolate the Kansas City game, Sal, saying he played great, 4.8 yards per attempt. Is that on Josh Allen? Is that on Joe Brady? Is that on a head coach dictating how the offense should run in a game where your defense is really, really banged up? Yeah, that was. I think that was game plan specific. To be honest, they they wanted to run the ball and they did. They ran it well, and they they chose to go with the short passing game. I think part of that though is Kansas City's defense, particularly its pass defense, is outstanding. And there just weren't guys open for him. There really weren't. When you looked at when you looked back at it, there weren't enough of the Bills receivers winning to get open down the field. So he was checking down a lot. I mean, you know him. He wants to go downfield. And they did take the three deep shots. And really, you can make an argument that all three of those should have been caught. I mean, maybe the one to Sherfield would have been a really good catch. 
but I thought he dropped one and Diggs certainly dropped it. So there's three humongous shots right there that might have totaled 150 yards of of passing yardage. So I think the problem was they weren't winning downfield. He had to keep checking it down to the backs and the tight ends, and that, that's why the yard per, or yard per attempt was so low. Sal Mayorana, Democrat and Chronicle, our guest here. And if I just bring up the word defensive line, all of a sudden everybody knows uh, your, your emotions kind of spike a little bit because, well, for all the investment you put in there, that wasn't a great output against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I guess my question, Sal, is where do they go from here? Because Floyd's a free agent. Jones a free agent. Epineza's a free agent. And is there any way you can get out of that Von Miller contract? Because that might be the worst in, in franchise history if he's got to come back and there's uh, there's no punishment of of any sort from the league here, Sal. Yeah, their defensive line was pathetic. It, it was a, a complete no-show in a game where they had to have those guys going. You know, with the linebacker situation, they were in rough shape there. I mean, A.J. Klein was a disaster. I mean, he made 11 tackles the week before, and that was a nice little story. That was the Steelers against the Chiefs, the team that actually knows how to play offense, can scheme things up. They just abused him all day. So your defensive line needed to be great, and they were absolutely invisible, every one of them, right down to, right down to every guy that played. I thought they were all lousy. And now you're right. They face an offseason where I think it's seven, seven or eight of the 12 guys are free agents now, and they're mostly are probably going to be gone. Um, unfortunately, Von Miller is not a free agent. He is back, and they have no choice on that contract. They can't get out of it. It's like a thirty—I want to say—a thirty-two million dollar dead cap hit if they if they cut him. So that's not going to be possible. He has to play, and they've got major retooling now. They're going to have to go out and and, and the thing is, they don't have—they're not going to have much money to do anything. So they're going to have to go get you know mid-tier free agents to fill in for some of these guys who are leaving. And they're going to have to nail, you know, maybe a draft pick or two on the defensive line because all these guys are gone. So it's a big problem for the Bills. Sal, we heard from both McDermott and Bean yesterday at the end of season press conferences. Do you have any takeaways or was this just more lip service? It felt very, very similar to the conversations we've heard from them and the conferences we've heard from them in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, what what are they going to say, right? Every season has ended this way, <laughs> short of the ultimate goal. And, you know, they can keep telling us that they're still in it. They're still going to be competitive. And, and I believe them. I think they still have a pretty good team. Um, they've got a lot of work to do on this roster. But really, nothing that was said yesterday came as a surprise to me. Um, you know, I was interested in – the. I, I asked him specifically about – you know, the one-year free agent deals that he gave, and is, is that going to be the strategy? And he said, yeah, it's going to have to be because of the, their cap situation. They've got to find, and they've got to hit, he said. They've got to hit on these guys uh, who are going to come in at a lesser figure. Uh, and if they don't, you know, that's going to be a problem for the Bills. I thought I thought a few of their guys that they brought in on one-year deals played pretty well this year, you know, Leonard Floyd being probably the top guy. But they need more of those guys to, to hit. And this seems to be with Josh Allen's contract now and, and the money he's going to cost every year on the cap, this is going to have to be their strategy. They're going to have a continually churned roster of one year, you know, mid, mid tier free agents who are going to play for this team every year. And they're going to have to hit their, their draft picks. He said that yesterday too. He knows how big this draft is. They've got 10 picks Right now, while they're going to get the 10th when they get the compensatory pick for the third round, he knows every one of those guys 
is going to have to be a contributor. I mean, he's going to have to pull probably two or three starters out of this draft and hope that four or five or six of those other guys are going to be key contributors in some way. Sal, if it's not for me, Cole Hardman fumbling, um, the Chiefs go up by two touchdowns, I would assume, and, and, and the blame here would be the majority of it would be on McDermott, and, and people are still upset. There are Bills fans, I'm sure they're in your timeline, like get rid of the coach, get rid of the coach, and I, I just don't know what he was thinking on that that Hamlin fake, but he, here's the question. Uh, it, it's going to be your number eight, and like, like at what point do you just have the honest conversation that this is as far as this coach can bring this team? Yeah, I'm I'm still not there yet. I've said this over and over. I, I think people screaming about the coach who's taken them to six playoff appearances in seven years, and that's that's a pretty good job. And I know it sucks that they can't get over this hump at the divisional round, but you know what? A lot of teams don't get over that hump. It's hard to do. So I think next year is the year for McDermott. If he doesn't get it done next year, then I'm perfectly willing to listen to you move on and try something else. But I wasn't there this year. And I'm still not after what happened Sunday. They lost to the better team again, probably to the better coach again. I get it, but I'm not ready to fire them. And in terms of that fake punt, you know, I'll tell you exactly what they were thinking. And I hated it too. <laughs> you know, why take Josh Allen? If you're going to go for it, then you leave Josh Allen on the field right. and let him get it. But I think obviously they were hoping for the element of surprise. Um, it didn't happen. You know, they had DeMar Hamlin carrying the ball which made no sense. So that was, you know, a decision. And I understood why he did it too, because his punter was useless with the hamstring injury. He was just completely useless. So he tried something out of the box. You know, if that play works, fans are, are loving it, right? It happened that it didn't work. And ultimately, when you go back, we have twenty twenty hindsight. He should have just left Josh Allen on the field and let those guys get the first down, but it didn't. And like you said, it ended up not mattering because of the Hardman fumble. But had Hardman not fumbled and they had scored, people would have been killing McDermott for that for that play. Sal, uh, what kind of uh, shakeup can we expect here over the course of the coming weeks? I mean, it would be rare for Sean McDermott not to, to move or not to see a, a coordinator or an assistant go on to something else. Uh, we know that Babich has interviewed in, in, in with the Giants. We, we still have an interim tag to take off of Joe Brady if, if they decide to continue with him as the OC. How do you see it all shaking out? Yeah, I mean they're they're gonna they're gonna interview candidates for the OC because they have to. I mean they've got to do the Rooney rule the Rooney rule um, interviews. Uh, I think Brady's the leader in the clubhouse. I think they did like you know what he did in whatever it was the nine games that he was the coordinator. So I think ultimately it'll probably be his job, um, defensive coordinator. I got the sense that Sean is going to keep calling the defense. You know, and I think given all that he had to face this year with all these injuries and the constant changing of personnel, I think their defense was pretty good for the most part. Again, the last game is what you always look at, and they failed. But overall, I think they did a hell of a job with, you know, all the guys that were in and out. So I don't think you're going to see a defensive coordinator. I could be wrong, but the sense that I got from him yesterday was that, you know, he, he felt like he got into a good groove by the end of the year juggling the two jobs and i and i think he might want to keep doing that moving forward well i uh, i'll i'm gonna put my hand up in the air i think bills fans want uh, some changes in special teams yes you had the big play in miami but how many other games did this kind of come apart and i'm wondering if uh you know they'll move on from matthew smiley and for that matter sal let's talk about the core special teamers 
think it's time for some new core special teamers, too. Yeah, I agree. Their special teams, their special teams were very good the year before. They were. And then this year it was a complete reversal. There was just far too many breakdowns and, you know, dumb plays, penalties. Um, you know, they lost the opening game on a punt return. They lose this last game because they missed a field goal at the end. Um, yeah, there's a lot of work to do there. And it is one of those things that kind of irritates me every every summer, how they pick this roster and they, you know, these special teams only guys that they keep. And I've always been of the opinion, man, build your offense and your defense. That's what you don't worry about keeping core special teamers. Keep the best players on your team. And then the guys who aren't starting an offense defense, teach them how to play special teams. We don't need Tyler Matikavich every year and Saran Neal and all these guys that are, have been there for four or five years now and nothing has really changed too much. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Special teams has always been a little bit of a, a bugaboo for me. I, I get that. Yeah, you could you could lose a game with a bad special teams play, which they did, but more times than not, they're they're meaningless. The punters get great hang time. It's all fair catches. The kickoffs all go through the end zone. I mean, it's just kind of it's kind of silly to put so much time and effort into special teams these days, at least for me. Sal, I want to get your take on how this roster has been constructed during the Bean and McDermott era, because to my eyes, and and we could start with the investment that they've made through the course of the years uh, on the defensive line, it feels as if they've built this team more so around their head coach than they have around their quarterback. Does that need to change here with free agency in the draft this year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. That they're building it around the coach. I mean, he said it yesterday. He he grew up under Andy Reid, who was an offense first guy. It's not like McDermott wants to play three yards in a cloud of dust. I think the first couple of years they were they were sort of forced to play that way. But since Josh Allen became Josh Allen in 2020, really, I think they have been progressive on offense. They've they've done a great job. Dayball was a terrific coordinator. Dorsey was pretty good last year, and now this year. You know, Brady has looked pretty good as well. Their offense, you look at the stats, their offense is one of the top four or five offenses these last four years. They've done plenty of good things on offense. So I disagree with the fact that, or the people who say, oh, he's built, he wants to play a certain way, he wants to build his defense. The first two draft picks last year were Dalton Kincaid and, and Osiris Torrance. Those guys are on offense. So I think he has tried to build the offense. They made the trade for Diggs. They've done plenty of things. It just hasn't worked out in the playoffs. And that's, you know, ultimately what we're all here for. And people can blame whatever they want to blame. But again, I think McDermott, <laughs> I think he just gets a, a little bit too much crap when it comes to this stuff. I'm a, I'm a player's guy. Ultimately, ultimately players got to make these plays. Tyler Bass has got to make that stupid field goal, right? Deion Dawkins can't get blown up on second down and cost the bills a touchdown. I mean, that's not coaching there. That's just being beat by the guy in front of you. So, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm usually more protective of coaches than most people because uh, they're not the ones out there, as we always say, blocking, tackling, running, catching, blah, blah, blah. It's Sal, but last one for me here. Like, if before we get to the draft and even before the Bills and, and free agency, it's the idea you got to get under the cap. And the Bills have some, they got an issue here. And you wrote about this. Like, what are the options in front of this? Should Bills fans kind of brace from uh, some moves here that are going to be unpopular? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about these. They've got 22 free agents, and I, I think the bulk of them are going to be gone because, you know, well, first of all, they, some of those guys have just aged out in this time. But other other guys, like you know, everyone wants to get 
Leonard Floyd back. <laughs> Leonard Floyd told me in the locker room, he said, I'm going where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> he flat out said that. So that, that's not going to be in Buffalo. So they, they're not going to be able to get a lot of these guys back because they don't have the money. They will massage the cap like they always do. You know, they're going to save probably $20 million, I think, out of Allen by converting base to, uh, to bonus. So there are ways they can do it. And I know that you, know, you hate to kick the can down the road, as they've been doing, and I know Bean really hates it, but he doesn't have a choice. This is the way it is in the NFL these days when you're paying a quarterback what they're paying him. And the problem for the Bills is they've also got four or five other guys that have humongous cap numbers. So that all that all has put them in, in salary cap jail. They'll figure it out. They will be under the cap, and they'll be able to do things, but it's just not going to be as sexy as it was you know, the last two or three years, probably. Sal, the floor is yours. Pedal your wares. What would you like our audience to know that you're working on that we can check out? Because we always appreciate the the work and the passion that you put into the, the teams that you cover. <laughs> well, you know, keep following me on the DNC website. I mean, I'm writing there constantly. I'm trying to do some Amherst stuff now. I've been doing a weekly Amherst column, which I will continue to do. So trying to trying to get some local coverage back into the into the website we obviously have lacked that for a long time so doing that and of course my yankees newsletter is still out there and still free pinstripe people so you can go on twitter and or you know there's a you can you can click the link and on my website there and subscribe to that so i appreciate if anybody would do that yankee fans all right see if you agree with this take i like the yankee off season but i still think they need another starting pitcher yeah, um, I, I, I'm i okay so far with the Yankees offseason, and they absolutely need another starting pitcher, no doubt about it. They've got, <laughs> with all their all their injury concerns, that team needs to go into a season with seven or eight guys because you know two or three are going to get hurt, maybe four. So, yeah, there's still work to do. I don't know if it's going to be Snell. I kind of doubt it. Um, I like the Stroman pickup, though. I thought that was a good, under-the-radar, affordable signing, so I like that a lot. But yeah, they've just they've got some work to do. I, I don't think they're better than the third best team in, the, in that division. I, mean, I really don't. So I think it's going to be a you know it's not going to be a great great year for the Yankees. They might sneak into the playoffs, but I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope. Sal, enjoy your championship Sunday. Let's do it again soon, bud. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for having me. You got Thanks, it, Sal. Sal Mayorana, the Democrat and Chronicle, joining us here in the Sports Bar. Yeah, it's going to be an offseason unlike one we've seen here in Buffalo, meaning, oh my gosh, A.J. Eppen has a sign here, Leonard Floyd sign here, Daquan, like, like the turnover is going to be, and you can't be mad at these players. In fact, I want to shake Leonard Floyd's hand for just saying the truth. I'm going to go where the money is. Yeah. Um, you know, this is where Brandon Bean is going to have to really put on his salesman hat, right? Like, you want some of these guys to return on a sweetheart deal, Maybe you get one or two of them to say, okay, yeah, the devil you know versus the devil you he don't. He did it with uh, Poyer. Sure. Didn't think Poyer would be back, and there he was. Yeah. Maybe maybe that happens. I, I don't know exactly whether or not you're going to get a guy like Leonard Floyd to agree to do something like that. I think he earned, through his actions this year, earned a bigger pay- payday next year. I, I have a feeling that that one is is one that's going to be a tough, tough sell. Can you do it with Daquan Jones? Maybe you do it with Gabe Davis. Maybe we'll see. Maybe Epineza. Maybe we'll see. Uh, happy hour next. I want to go back to a conversation we had yesterday with Matt Perino, and we kind of had a little bit of this uh, chat with with Sal just now on 
Josh Allen and the, the, what do we call it? The plurality pile. Is that what Bruce calls it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like we call it blame assessment here, yeah. but, but like if we're just di- dividing us up, but what, why is it such a sliver here? And, and Sal kind of brought it up. Like, look at the numbers. They're outstanding. Like if you, like he, he deserves MVP consideration. However, not talking about numbers and MVP consideration. We're talking about wins. Yeah. And, and wins may not be a quarterback stat, but winning is the minimum, albeit high standard. Quarterback wins are everything for me. I know it's not a stat, but it's everything. And this is a trend that at some point you hope reverses with Josh Allen. We'll get into that, and we'll take your calls. We have time for them. 866-4326 if you want to pull up a stool. 585-866-4FAN. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. On 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.